So today, I don't, I don't normally wear purple. But when the Suns are in the, the finals, I wear purple. What do you think? Suns in, Suns in four? I'm, some of us are hoping Suns in five, so it's actually in town, right? Some of you want it to be like here at home when, when they win. So I've been, you know, I love sports. If you've been around for any amount of time, you know that I, I'm a fan of sports. I enjoy sports. Uh, I, I used to be able to play sports. Now I just cheer for those who can. And I still tell myself in my head that I can play sports, and then I usually get hurt playing sports. And so then my wife tells me, you can't play anymore. And I try anyway. So I like to watch, and so I've been watching the games. Have you been watching the Suns games? Oh, yeah. It's been fun. So what I want you to notice here, uh, this is, um, uh, yeah, Chris Paul, thanks. <laughs> CP3. Um, something good just happened because look at everybody in the stands. Look at everybody. I want you to pick one person in the stands out. Just pick one person. Do you have them? Do you have one person picked out? Yes. Now I want you to imitate them. So, so put, like, do what they're doing. <laughs> Go. <laughs> awesome. Look around. Hold on. No, stay there. Stay there. Look around. Look around. That's awesome. <laughs> look at that. So the only person who doesn't look super excited at this point is the lady who's on her phone and she's getting excited. She's just like, she was lost on the phone, and so she wasn't quite, quite there. Okay, that was awesome. You guys were there. All right, so let me give you another picture. Now, this one's a little bit more difficult. This is um, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Thank you. I... <laughs> now, you can't see the people as much, but you can see them. So I want you to focus, see if you can focus on one. Now, the guy on the left, um, I think he plays for the other team, whatever their names are. But the rest of everybody else looks super excited. Look at all of them. So can you pick out one person? Can you, pick, you have one? Okay. So do it. Go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, so, so a lot of you see that one. He's like this. I think he's wearing a Chris Paul jersey. It's, it's hard to tell which one's actually Chris Paul, but I think it's the one down here. But he's up there like this. And um, so you got people raising their hands, one over here like this, and all of you. Okay, so good, awesome. Did you know that we as humans have been wired to celebrate? Did you know that? Like if you're put in the right environment, in, in, in the, 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 the environment of something that stirs within your heart and your soul, you are actually created by God to celebrate. Did you know that? Did you know that? And some of you could care less about basketball. And I put this up here and some of you are like, I don't even know why I came to church today if he's just going to talk about basketball. Because some of you just don't care about basketball. I mean, Robin, my wife, she really doesn't care that much about sports. She likes to watch the last three minutes of a game. And that's kind of it. Yeah. And I'm like, you're cheating if you only watch the last three minutes. You're not a fan if you're watching the last three minutes. Like, you got to watch the whole game to get a feel for everything. And she's like, the last three minutes, that's all that matters. Some of you don't care about that. But I'll tell you what, you put Robin at a JT concert, and she's out of her seat the entire time. I'm telling you, she is 
pumped with JT. And some of you are thinking I'm talking about, who am I talking about, JT? <laughs> See, am I talking about Justin Timberlake or James Taylor? Which one? You don't know. It doesn't matter. She's going to be out of her seat singing and engaged. And some of you don't care about music and some of you don't care about basketball. Some of you, like, love working out in your yard. And you put you in the right environment and that cactus blooms at the right time and that color begins to pop out and you're just like those fans, like, yes. And you might not do it where anybody else sees, but you walk back in the house and you're like, Because you're wired, you are wired to celebrate. You're wired for it. And I'm wired to celebrate and rejoice. God has wired it. And I know we don't always feel like it. Some of you in this room today, you're like, I don't feel like it. But you are wired to celebrate and rejoice in many different ways, in many different contexts. And the suns just gives us a glimpse. It's like our whole city gets excited. Even if you don't care about basketball, sometimes it rubs off and you're around somebody and somebody else is getting excited and you're like, I don't even know what they're doing out there. And I don't know why those guys are wearing the stripes, but it's awesome. We just yell at them. Let's yell at them together. They're terrible. Come on. Because we're wired to celebrate and we're wired to do so in community. When I was in college, I went to school in Indiana, and every year, uh, my buddy and I, he was from Alabama as well, went to college together, um, the Auburn-Alabama football game, we would get in our car, we'd drive either eight hours to Birmingham where the game was, or we'd drive down to Opelika, Auburn, Alabama, um, which was about 10 hours, if I was driving, about seven, and <laughs> we would we would go, and we didn't have tickets. Like, we never had tickets before we left Indiana. But we said, we'll get tickets. And somebody said, well, what if they're super expensive? Like, what if it's crazy? And we were like, it's worth it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we'd get, we're college students, you know. We don't have any money for food, but we can go to a football game. We'd drive down, and we'd get there, and we'd walk around the stadium, and people would be holding up two tickets or two fingers, you know. And it's like, Two, I need two, we need two. Like, we don't, we're college students, we're poor, we'd look terrible. You know how you do, you just look, you know, and somebody would feel bad for you, and they're like, okay, I'll give it to you for 150. And you're like, okay, that's a good deal or whatever. Not really, we didn't pay that. But that one year, we didn't even get tickets because it was like Auburn, the stadium at Auburn, 86,000 sold out, Alabama Stadium sold out at like 40,000. And then they estimated another 30,000 outside the stadium just watching. I mean, it was just crazy, and we couldn't get tickets, but it didn't matter. We were there. And we would drive back, and we were so tired, and we'd fail the test, and our friends would be like, why would you do that? And we would say, it's, it's worth it. You know what I mean? There's certain things that are worth it. You know the word worship comes kind of from that same phrase, worth it? It's worth it? Worship? No? I tried. <laughs> so, Worship. I want to talk about worship because we, we've taken this word worship and we've put it in the context of the church and sometimes we fail to see the greater picture of worship and what worship is. Worship is this. Worship is to ascribe worth. It is worth it or value to something or someone to pay homage to. 
Now listen, every one of us is wired to worship. Every single one of us is wired to worship. And some of you are thinking, oh, is he going to like go back on that whole sons thing? And is he going to make me feel bad that I'm like celebrating the sons? No, 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 no. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying that today because I'm celebrating with you. What I'm saying is that worship, which is this ascribing value to something or worth to something, is an act that all of us were wired for deep within us. Like God has wired us for that. It's why here at, at McDowell, we say it this way. Instead of saying worship like that, we say it this way, that worship is about turning your heart and your mind, um, focusing your attention, your mind, and your affection, your heart toward God. Like worship for us is about giving God our mind, our attention, and our heart, which is our affection, which is what all of us already do in certain contexts in this world. Are you with me? So when I started talking about the sons and we're all like standing up and we're doing this because they're doing it and then we're doing this because they're doing it or if you're a JT concert or whatever it is, some of you go to museums and you sit here like this but inside you're like, yes, like, you know, all of it, like all of us have that in us. And sometimes we give certain things too much value and we, we fail to give God the attention and the affection he deserves. And that doesn't mean we can't celebrate other things because we should. There's joy in that. God wants us, but not above him. Um, we've been in this series called Yahweh, and God is is giving Moses and his people a picture of himself, um, his character, who he is. Yahweh, Yahweh. He's talking about himself. The God of, do you remember this? Compassion and grace. We've said it every week because it's so important to remember. God uh, is, is full of compassion and he's full of grace. And God is slow to anger. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you, aren't you thankful that God is slow to anger? I am, because I've made a mess of things from time to time, haven't you? But God is slow to anger. That is so good. Like, we have, we have a God that is slow to anger. Like, there's good there. And then last week, Chip um, talked about this, this next picture of God, full of unfailing love, hesed love, he said, is the best kind of love. And he talked about the Denver Broncos He's mistaken, like, <laughs> but he talks about God, God, this unfailing love, this hesed that he has. And then next week, we're going to wrap up this series. Sarah's going to talk about God's faithfulness. But some of you, you already know about God's faithfulness because God's never let you down. Maybe you've been disappointed in life, but God has always been with you. Some of you could preach that sermon because you know God's faithfulness. Even in the times when it felt like there was not going to be a tomorrow, God was there. He is faithful. And so as we've been walking through this, this idea of who God is, 
I've begun to wrestle with, well, what is our response to be if this is who God is? If God is full of compassion, if God is full of grace, if he's slow to anger, if he's full of unfailing, loyal love, and, he, and he's, he's always going to be faithful to us, what should be our response? Like as, as humans, what should we do with that? And I think the only appropriate response is worship. Like we should give God our attention and our affection. And here's the great thing. You already know how. Did you, you already know how to worship because he's wired you for it. I mean, go to a Suns game, even if you don't care about basketball, and if they're winning, <laughs> if they're winning, and you're sitting in the right section, you're probably going to stand up, aren't you? You're probably going to stand up. Because it's, it's something that God's wired you to do. Now, I'm going to be honest, be transparent. Some of you are like, please, always be honest. Um, sometimes I think that my worship of God is too reserved. I usually sit over here somewhere. I sneak in the back, and I'll usually sit, like, in the back row over here, just up there, because I like to just watch the room and feel the room and I'll sing because I, I love the songs that we sing. We have an incredible, do you guys know we have an incredible talent group? They're awesome. And I love it. And I love the songs that we sing and I usually sing them. I'm not a very good singer. Um, but but I, I love to sing anyway. And I sing and sometimes like I get caught up and I want to raise my hands and then I think, oh, but what if somebody sees me and they, you know, and I, I'm just being honest. I know that you guys don't do that, but sometimes I do that. Like, I get so caught up, and I just want to, like, yes, and, and I put my hands in my pocket because it's like, I don't want anybody to think I'm weird, and, you know, and I find my, my mind, my attention being redirected from God. Anybody ever been there? Are you with me? Anybody? And so my worship is reserved to the one who deserves more of my worship than anybody else in the world. And like I want to raise my hand and I want to like, and sometimes I want to move to the music, you know, just, and I know I keep it right here because that's the right thing to do, but. <laughs> because God is full of compassion for me. And he gave his son to die for me and for you. And he will never give up on me. And he will never give up on you. He is faithful. He will never fail me and he will never fail you. And sometimes my response is this, when it should be this. In the Psalms, David writes this. Shout with joy to the Lord. Psalm 100. All the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Sometimes I joke with you about, um, I, I usually have like a pretty like 
boring face, like flat, you know, just like, and, and, I'm, and Robin's like, are you excited to be here? And I'm like, of course I'm excited to be here. And she's like, will, will you tell your face? And, and I, I'm setting you up because, like, you're the same way. Sometimes I'm up here and I'm like, are you excited to be here? And you're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, tell your face that you are because you're not smiling. And look what, look what David says. Worship the Lord with what? With gladness. Like to be in the presence of God. I mean, the, the thought that the God of the universe is present in this place is unbelievable. Come before him singing with joy, even if you can't sing. Even if you can't sing, come before him. Acknowledge that he is God. Now, why? Why should we worship? Why should we come before him with gladness and sing with joy? Why? Because he made us. And we're his. We are his people. And I love this next line. We're the sheep of his pasture, which means he is going to take care of us. Isn't that good to know? No matter what you're facing, you know, I'm, I'm getting older and older. Some of you are going to laugh at me when I say that, but I'm getting older and I can't do the things that I used to be able to do and it feels different and all that kind of stuff. And as you get older, you have all kinds of questions, don't you? And you wonder what tomorrow is going to look like and the next day and do I have, did I put away enough and did I save enough and all those different things. But listen, you are his people. You're the sheep of his pasture. He's going to take care of you. And then listen, David repeats it, like the whole setup of this, he repeats it again. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Like you might be in a tough time, but you still have things to be thankful for. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise and give thanks to him and praise his name because he's good. Now, David ends this psalm reminding us of the God who revealed his character to Moses in Exodus 34. Remember I told you this passage of scripture was the most repeated passage in the entire Bible? Look what he says. See, see if this sounds familiar. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Does that sound familiar? It's a quote of God's character from Exodus chapter 34 and um, David's just saying gosh this is who God is and he's worthy and he's worth it so give him your praise he's worth it it's worth it give him your attention give him give him your affection um, Eugene Peterson uh, was a pastor, passed away a couple years ago, and uh, I think this is good for us. He says, you, you can lift up your hands regardless of how you feel. It's a simple motor movement. You may not be able to command your heart, but you can command your arms, and just maybe your heart will follow. Don't you love that thought? Like you can command your mouth to say certain things. You can command your arms to be lifted. You can close your eyes and lift up one hand 
if you're worried about the person next to you, or you can go all in with two hands. One of the, one of the reasons I asked you what dish you would bring, because some of us aren't ready to do this yet, but we understand this. And sometimes when you bring something to a party, you, you know, you bring a casserole or peach cobbler and you're holding it and you bring it in, that's a good way to enter into God's presence like this. And what's interesting about God is oftentimes we come with all that we have. God, this is all I've got. I'm, I'm running on empty. This is all I have. And what's interesting is we think we're bringing him something and he pours, he pours his goodness out. And so I'm going to invite you today to, to worship. And um, we're going to sing a song called Raise a Hallelujah. We thought this would be a good response. Um, and maybe you'll raise your hands today, and maybe you'll just do this, and maybe you won't. Maybe you'll, you're, you're not sure, and you, you're, you're like, I, I don't know. And you know, what's, you know what's most important? It's not the posture of your body, although that's important. It's the posture of your heart. So don't worry about what anybody else thinks. And I know that's difficult, but like, try to set that out of your mind. Close your eyes if you need to. Just approach God, who's full of compassion and grace, slow to anger, full of unfailing love and faithfulness that never runs out. Ah, oh, that's, that's a good God. So would you stand with me? And God, we worship you today um, because you're worth it. And um, we pray that our praise would be pleasing to you in Jesus' name. So I want to give you four, real quick, just four little things that happen when we commit to turning our hearts and minds back to God on a regular basis. And maybe one of these will hit you today as something that, that, that you, you need in your life. And here they are. Um, worship refocuses us on who is most important in the world. It refocuses us. And here's the reality for every single one of us is that, that our minds are pulled, our hearts are pulled in so many different directions. And so worship becomes a moment each week, corporate worship especially. It's why I think corporate worship is, is so very important is because it refocuses us on the one who's most important. Um, second thing is that it reframes our circumstances. You know, sometimes we're overcome with fear and worry and anxiety. And as long as we focus on the, the cause or the root of our anxiety and fear and worry, we'll continue to worry and fear. But when we're able to lift our eyes to a different place, when we're able to give our minds and our hearts to a different level, all of a sudden, our circumstances begin to change. Like they may not actually, like literally change, but our understanding or awareness of them changes and our fear begins to drift away. So worship helps reframe our, our circumstances. The third thing, it reminds us of God's great love. Like worship should always remind us of God's great love for us and it should remind us of Jesus. It's why we sing Jesus songs all the time because if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. Like it should always, worship should always remind us of God's great love. And that should be a, a source of joy 
in our lives. Even if our lives are falling apart over here, like when we remember God's great love for us, it should be a a source of joy. So it should remind us of of God's great love, which in just a minute we're going to take communion um, as as we close because we want to be reminded of that. And the fourth thing is it resets us for a week of purpose. So it refocuses us on who's most important. It reframes our circumstances, reminds us of God's great love, and it resets us for a week of purpose. Now, don't miss this last one. Like when you give God your heart and your mind, you begin to receive from him a focus for your life, a a purpose, a, a passion about whatever it is that you do, whether it's selling pacemakers, uh, people are put, I know, kind of a crazy thing, right? But worship should give you another passion for what you do and why you do it. It should, it should, it should reset us to become passionate about coaching college athletes. It should reset us to that. It should change the way we do what we do every other day during the week. When we, when we have this corporate worship, when we are reminded of who God is, his great love, it should instill in us or build in us or fire us up to do whatever it is that you do, to manage people's money, to help steward those resources really well. It should help you to do that, to help people who are walking through some physical ailments and you're helping them get back on their feet and get moving to take pictures and capture some of life's most precious moments. Like it should inspire you to do that as well as you can. Um, Look, since we're talking about the sons, (laughs) Monty Williams, who's a man of faith and a man of worship, he is. Um, A friend sent me this. Monty Williams said, the essence of my coaching is to serve. As a believer in Christ, that's what I'm here for. And you can see it in the way he coaches, can't you? You can see it. What this is, it's a reflection of Monty's worship, not of fame, not of the trophy, although he wants that. It's his focus, it's his worship that instills in him a passion and a purpose to do what he does as, as, as well as he can do it. He's going to be the best coach he can because God's the one who's given him the gifts to do what he does. Watch him today. Watch him. Last week when he knelt down in front of DeAndre Ayton, when Ayton was mad at himself because he wasn't performing, and he said, look, you've done this. You've, you've set the bar high. That's good. You don't have to score points to accomplish what you've set for yourself. Go lead in other ways. That's a coach who's going to do what he can to serve the young men in front of him. It's awesome. Worship can do this in your life. It can give you a passion to do what God's gifted you to and put in front of you for your vocation and for your work. That's what worship does. Um. Sometimes we sing because we believe. And sometimes we sing until we believe. So you're like, I'm not so sure. I'm I'm there yet. Well, sing until you believe. Sing your heart there. Sing your mind there. 
Don't give up. Keep going. Both of them are good because worship starts to shift things in our lives. Louis Giglio, uh, Passion City Church, he says there's this unmistakable connection between our awareness of grace and our expression of worship. There's an unmistakable connection. When we begin to get a glimpse of the kind of grace and love our God has for us, we can't help but worship. We can't help but worship because it's overwhelming in our lives. Like when we begin to just take it in.